In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is July 5th. I hope you all had a good 4th of July. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And today we are going to recap Sunday's 2-2 draw with NYCFC at Yankee Stadium, a great place for baseball and a crappy place for soccer. It was... An interesting game. It was a fun game. There were some good moments. There were some bad moments. It was really kind of a typical Atlanta United performance with the exception of they actually got the point. Uh, They didn't commit a late mistake uh, that resulted in drop points such as Toronto or such as Red Bulls in the previous two games of that three-game road stretch. So NYC FC opened the scoring in the 37th minute with Castellanos, a mistake I think by Alan Franco, he tried to play an offside trap, did not play the offside trap. And then I don't know if he told George Campbell that Castellanos was running off his back shoulder. And so Castellanos beat him into space and then beat Rocco Rios Novos to the, uh, to the near post. Then Joseph Martinez scored in the 56th minute with a, a very good goal, a very good sign that he has confidence in his knee. He was leaping to his left headed the ball back to his right into the lower right corner. A very nice goal, a goal reminiscent of him in 2017 and 2018. But of course, Atlanta United being Atlanta United, NYCFC went right down the field two minutes later. Castellanos with another goal, again kind of unmarked yards from goal. He was the golden boot winner last year. Not good defending. Some people say it was Franco again. I need to go back and watch the highlights. But Atlanta United was able to rally. Ronaldo Cisneros and Dom Dwyer, two second-half subs. Franco played a nice ball to give him credit where it's due. To Cisneros, who went to the inline, cut it back for Dwyer, and with his first touch of the game, scored in the 86th minute. All he does is score goals for Atlanta United. He comes in as a sub, and he scores. I think he is the leading scorer this season across all competitions with six or seven goals at this point. Uh, A very shrewd signing by the front office who's paying some dividends, particularly in this super sub role. Some of you were concerned because he went on Twitter after the game and and he wrote a tweet that it sounded like he was leaving, but he was just thanking everyone. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. Now, Atlanta United is going to continue a stretch of games in which uh, seven of the next eight, I think it is, are against teams that are above the playoff lines in the East and West. So Gonzalo Pineda was asked how important it was to come back and get a draw against NYCFC. Both teams had their their chances and we came out of a draw i mean the same could have been we we got the three points right but uh mls is like this we just hit the half of the season and we need to to build out uh 
this this momentum with this point, the last performance against Red Bull was encouraging. And then this point, this very valuable point, I don't forget last year, we gave that uh, point at home against New York City in the last minute with that freaky goal. And that was the difference between finishing higher understandings than them. So maybe this is for us this time. And this point at the end is going to be very valuable. So I, I, I'm very optimistic on that. And so for me, that's that's the value of this point. He's right in that they did dominate Red Bull. Well, I don't know if I want to say dominate, but they did control the game against Red Bull, which typically does not happen. And they just gave up the goal uh, in, in the final minutes. And that was the problem, which has been a problem going back to last season for this team. I think it's a reflection of its inexperience and it's a reflection that it doesn't really have an on-field leader like an Ozzy Alonso to come in and help the team see out games. The other good piece of news from this NYCFC game is that it was the first time this season that all three DPs, Joseph Martinez, Luis Arahujo, and Diego Almada, started a game together. Now, how freaky is that that is taken this long, basically July 3rd, end of the season, for the three DPs to get on the field at the same time? And if you want to make a Miami joke, Atlanta United actually had five DPs at one point. Because Marcelino Moreno was a DP. Alan Franco was a DP. So 17 games it took until they could get the three DPs on the field because of health issues, suspension issues, and other things. And here is Pineda talking about what he saw from the group. I think that it was good. I felt that um, Thiago at times looked a little bit out of rhythm, which is normal. I felt like, uh, you know, one month and plus days, like is too much for him. Uh, he, he looked good physically, but the rhythm and the timing, and especially against a team that is very intense in the middle of the park, the timing, the distances were tough for him, but still he was able to produce a very good assist on, on Joseph and do a couple good plays. So I'm happy with that. Marcelino, I think it was a difficult game for Marcelino because of what I was asking for. I was asking a lot of runs in behind and he was doing what I was demanding, but the perfect ball never came to him. But I'm happy with his understanding of the needs of the team. And then Luis and Joseph, I think those two are going to connect very well. And we just need to gel out a few more games to to really see what this uh, attacking four can produce. But I cannot also forget uh, Ronaldo. I mean, he comes off the, off the bench and then he puts a great assist. And then Dom, at the end, the last 10 minutes, he comes and produces a goal. Like, uh, I feel like I have enough attacking power. It's whether we are a little bit more solid defensively and we can keep a couple more clean sheets and then we're going to get points for sure. All right. We're going to get into that in just a few minutes uh, in the mailbag. Uh, Ronaldo Cisneros, who came off the bench. Um, I asked him what he thinks this offense is capable of, but with including he and Dwyer as kind of subs or even starters. Important things. Um, our goal is to to get into the playoffs and then to be able to compete for for a title. Um, so you named a lot of really good players, uh, but I think it's it's the whole squad. It's it's every guy. We know that uh, when it's their moment and they're called on, that they're capable. Um, so that's how we feel. Um, you know that we have a good group and, and we're all competing. Uh, you know for for spots on this team, but everyone is is here to help the group, and that's the the sensation that we all have. I really like talking to Ronaldo. He gives really good answers. He's a really nice guy. Um, and then, of course, this tough stretch starts with Austin coming to Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday. 
asked Ronaldo if he thinks that this can push the team forward, this point from NYCFC, give it some confidence, because it hasn't beaten a playoff team this season. It only beat one last season. Sí, claro. Of course, I think we have some games against difficult teams coming up. Um, but as I've said, all the leagues in this team are, are difficult to play. Um, the good thing for us is we have the next three games at home. Uh, so we're, we're really looking to try and get nine points out of those games uh, and try to get ourselves into the top spots. And here's Aiden McFadden, another guy I really enjoy talking to because he gives honest answers and he's a thoughtful guy. Uh, on the mood of the locker room after coming back to get the point in New York. Now, I need to point out McFadden, this is his third start. He's not naturally a fullback. He's came from Notre Dame as a forward. But like John Gallagher and Gordon Wild and some guys before him at Lund United has converted him into a fullback slash wingback. So, you know, y'all need to give him a little bit of slack on social media when he's out there going against the NYCFC types, the MLS champs, on a field that he's never played before. We stuck together. You know, it's it's not divided. Everyone's kind of, I guess... We're glad that we were able to come back and get the point. But at the same time, like I was saying, we're not trying to tie games. We want to win. And we look around and we think we have a roster that can win a lot of games. So, you know, to come here and get a result is a good It's a good result. It's a hard place to do that. But we need points and we want to, we want to win games. So the next one, we're looking for three points, not one. So as the weekend unfolded, that one point for Atlanta United kept it five points from New England for the seventh and final playoff spot in the East. As the other results unfolded, they are now only three points ahead of the last place teams in the East, DC and Chicago, two points ahead of Toronto to get a home playoff. They've got to get all the way up to fourth, which is where NYCFC is now with 29 points. So Atlanta United is nine points behind. It has got to start to rattle off a win streak if it wants to try to get a game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, because we all know the team struggles on the road. It's 1-6-2 and two on the road this season. A lot of MLS teams struggle on the road, with the exception of, of Red Bulls, who are 6-3-1, and one, and Montreal, who are 4-4-2, four, four, and two, and Cincinnati, who are 4-3-3. Four, three, and three. So the team has got to do well on this three-game homestand that starts with Austin, and then it continues with Salt Lake, another team that is defying statistics and continuing to win. Orlando, and then they have to go to LA Galaxy, which is a, a, a playoff team, but one that's just kind of weird. And then they get kind of the appetizer in Chicago, then Seattle, Gonzalo Pineda's former team at Cincinnati, a tough out this year, especially with Brandon Vasquez in very, very good form. Red Bulls at home, at Columbus, DC United at home. It's a tough stretch for the five stripes. We're going to go to a break, and we're going to come back with a mailbag, and we're going to get into some of those thoughts about Atlanta United's defense. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Doug Robertson. Find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and please consider clicking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution keeps you informed on the news that matters to you. 
And now for a limited time, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the AJC for just 99 cents. That includes all of our Atlanta United coverage, plus sports, politics, investigations, breaking news, dining, and more for less than a buck. It's our best offer of the year for the best journalism in Atlanta. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to get unlimited digital access for the next six months for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. Chance, friend of the podcast, says he's happy with a tie. It's not easy playing at NYCFC. The stats seem to indicate that we actually played the better game. 50-50 possession, same amount of shots, more on target. My question is, how do we translate a good performance in Yankee Stadium? The dimensions to it are different. Is this tie showing us good performances to come or a well-fought anomaly of a game in a different environment? Meaning that the good performance today can't be expected on a normal field. No, I think it's a good sign. Uh, you know, Atlanta United played decently against Toronto, played very well against Red Bull and should have gotten all three points. And then got a little bit lucky against NYCFC, I think, in the first 15, 20 minutes. But then we're able to kind of figure out and get a grip on the game and go forward. The team was without Franco Albara. You've got to remember that Rocco Rios Novos has 20. Aiden McFadden is 22. George Campbell's 21. Um, Caleb Wiley, 17. Alan Franco's 25. That is a really, really, really young defense. And only one of those guys has ever played a game at Yankee Stadium before, which is a very weird, weird place to play. I think the three-game homestand is very, very important. And we're going to get into why in just a second. Um, because I think that there is help coming for Atlanta United to help kind of shore up this defense. Adam says, Atlanta's defense has really struggled with tracking runners, especially in transition play. Given the realities of the stripes, injuries, and fluid lineups, is there something that can be done in the formation or in the pressure by the midfielders that can help erase the defensive burdens until Campbell, Wiley can get a little bit better in this regard? So here's where we're going to get into the defense. Um, NYCFC continually used overlapping runners or passes into space to guys to run onto, which is a an interesting tactic because the field is so much smaller. You would think that Atlanta United would have been able to squeeze out that space, but it couldn't. Abe McFadden admitted to getting caught up field a few times, just a lack of experience on his part, or, or him believing that the pass couldn't be threaded through the space, but it was because – these are seasoned pros and very good pros you're playing against. McFadden admitted he could have done better in both regards, and a lot of that is just a lack of experience. So Saturday could be the first time that you see Godinho and Parata, the goalkeeper and the center back, who have signed Parata, is on loan from Tigris. Godinho was a free agent after playing for Chivas. They have a lot of experience, more than 30 games for Parata in Liga Emekis across all competitions, more than 100 for Godinho. I think Rios Novo has played well, but it might be a, a time to give Godinho just to see if it calms some people down in the back. Rios Novo is very, very good with his feet. That would be the drawback. Parata, very experienced center back, a very tough center back. I would like to see him paired with George Campbell. Alan Franco just, as I wrote a few weeks ago, for 89 minutes plays very, very well, but then there's just snippets of seconds within that remaining minute in which he just makes mistakes, and Atlanta keeps getting punished. And there needs to be some competition. There needs to be some accountability. Franco is a very good passer, very good distributor of the ball, but he's a defender first, and there keeps keeps being mistakes made in that area. Adam continues with U.S. having qualified to expect Wolf Wiley or other Atlanta players to feature in the Olympics. 
Well, that's a good question. Um, if they didn't play for the Olympic team, I'll be surprised. But you could see Wolf and Wiley. I think that would be a very, very good combination. Still trying to find out if Wolf was going on loan to that club in Belgium, which was reported by Stephen Goff last week. And Adam finishes with happy Independence Day to you and yours. Here's hoping for a better second half of the season. Well, thanks, Adam. I hope you had a good 4th of July, too. I went up to my sister's after I turned from the airport and uh, met my kids up there and had a good time. Scott, with a very simple comment, best result in two years. I don't know if that's true, but we'll see. I got a little admonishment from Rob in his comments. With Joseph now scoring in four of his last five matches across all competitions, the team is top five in the league in shot attempts, and the three DPs plus Moreno are finally seeing the pitch together. Why did you describe this as same plot, different game? Sure, our defensive woes will be a recurring theme with what feels like our entire defense out for the season, but this seems like a far cry from the plot the past two and a half years. Now, when I wrote that tweet, it was after Atlanta United had just given up the second goal, two minutes after finally rallying to score its goal. That's why I said same plot, different game. NYCFC went right down the middle of the field. The golden boot winner was left wide open in the middle of the field. It wasn't smart. The team lost its focus, which is a remains a, a gigantic problem for this team. Um, so anyway, that's why I said that, Rob. He says there's lots of room for optimism here. You can't fault this team for being injured at a never-before-seen level in MLS. No, I don't fault it. But at the same time, they are professionals. At the same time, this keeps happening game after game after game after game, and they keep talking about not losing their focus game after game after game after game. At some point, there's got to be some accountability, you know? Continuing with Nick with the very last question. I would be interested to hear you discuss your thoughts on Atlanta's tendency to have an eventful last 15 minutes. We score a lot, gain points, concede a lot, and lose points. What do you make of this, if anything? Yeah, I, I tweeted this out um, before the NYCFC game. I was looking at the goals scored in 15-minute segments this season, and Atlanta's are a little bit wacky, uh, to use a word I love, wacky. Um, I'm trying to find it right now in the game notes. Yes, so... Atlanta United has scored nine goals in the last 15 minutes of game this season. By far the biggest segment that they have. They have now allowed six goals this season, which is, again, the tied for the most in a segment this year. I don't know what it is about the last 15 minutes. I don't know if the team is trying to rally, and so it feels free and, and bombs forward and really kind of lets its attacking instincts take over, or it's trying to defend a lead and it tenses up and stresses out. And when it gets stressed out, mistakes happen, you know, fatigue affects you mentally as well as physically. Um, it could just be the lack of experience that I've referenced a few times, but it's an interesting, interesting trend. Maybe we'll get to talk to Pineda about that this week. The only availability the team is going to have, I believe is on Thursday because of the, the holiday and the, and the three game road stretch. So that will be our next opportunity to talk with him. We'll be taping a podcast either Thursday afternoon or Friday morning to preview the game against Austin, who a team I'm excited to see. Josh Wolf coming home to Atlanta, which will be fun. All right, we're going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Robertson. Find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones, and y'all take care.